Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome back to Counter Charge. We're with Nick Bogart. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome Glad to the to show. I know you're more of a historical guy, but... Yeah, oh. I mean, well, I've been, I've been leaning that way. I guess I, uh, you know, got old. We all get old at some point. Well, let's kind of introduce yourself, kind of give me your gaming origin story. And then, you know, what are you playing? And then we'll get to, we'll get to the podcast stuff in a minute. All right, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm Nick Bogart. Actually, uh, when, I, when I started gaming, I, uh, I was walking through the dorms when I was uh, in San Angelo, Texas for uh, military training. And there was some guys playing Warhammer. And I was like, oh, what is this? Was that 40K or Fantasy? 40K. Of course it was. Yeah, well, so it was It was like just as I think 4th edition came out, maybe 3rd edition, something like that. So, you know, I was like, oh, what's this? One of the guys was playing Tau because they were like the brand new hotness. This, right. was, this was 2003. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, they took me to the local game store. I found Black Templars Absolutely. and, you know, I, I fell in love with them and, you know, bought them, moved on a little bit, bought Bretonians, then tried to kit bash some Bretonians into uh, Black Tem- or Black Templar into, you know, some Bretonians. How'd that work out? Uh, not bad. They're actually. pretty cool. They kind of that'd be kind of neat, right? So what I did was like um, with bikers, I um, for the for the Black Templars, I took and took Bretonian spears and gave them to them. So right, you know, they they went charging in instead of you know power swords or whatever Absolutely. they had. They had power lances. Use the same stats, but you know, just just cool little mods like that. You know, seemed to fit really well. From there, I uh, I got stationed in Germany for a while. Didn't do a whole lot of gaming. Did a whole lot of D and D gaming. Right. Uh, then came back, was was bouncing around some different shops and uh, a lot of 40K back then. When I finally moved to Atlanta and got to Gigabyte's game store, I, I walked in and it felt like heaven. What, uh, year, what year was that, roughly? Uh, that was that was 2015. Yeah, 2015. So about four years ago. So, yeah, yeah. about four years awesome. ago. I, that's when I discovered that there's, like, you know, there really is more games than 40K. Right. Well, let's talk about Gigabyte's because that's a great store. Oh. They, they run a good business. They they get a lot of uh, they have good food and good drink, and they cater to the tabletop. They, they cater to everybody. But oh, can they talk do. a little bit about oh, that. Oh, uh, Gigabytes is great. I mean, like you mentioned, they've got food. They've got like a the full kitchen in there. They do sandwiches, burgers. Um, they've really expanded the menu. Uh, they do like smoothies as well um, that are that are really tasty. I mean, the the food, especially for being you know quotes fast food, right. it's pretty good. Um, actually, they they even uh, added in DoorDash. And, and I see a lot of orders going out for that. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, so the funniest thing is, is like the first few times, like somebody just, you know, like a couple people roll in on their lunch break or something and they're like, oh, wow, we, we didn't realize that this was like, you know, a, a, a game store or, you right. know, like they didn't even know what it was. They just came in to get sandwiches because they had found it, you know, they found that Google it was Maps. a sandwich shop. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it is. And then uh, Gigabytes has expanded. They now have uh, they have beer as well. Right. Um, unfortunately, they just added White Claw into that selection. But <laughs> so we'll talk about White Claw. <laughs> I got a friend that just. Uh, I mean, we we were we, we used to jokingly drink for locos. Oh yeah. And, and now and now that's moved on from from <laughs> from liquored up 
fruit juice to White Claws, which is the seltzer stuff. In right, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, hard, I don't, hard water. Yeah, I don't. It used get to it. mean something different than I, what it does now. Yeah, I don't apparently. get it, but <laughs> it's the young kids all the rage. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not a big seltzer water fan. So uh, somebody, uh, I thought it was a cider that they handed me the first time I had one, and I drank it. But I'm like, oh my, nope, it's not for me. Right. So you know, I, I you do have more refi- a more refined palate. I, I like to think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't take that much refinement to just not like White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> this this is true. Yeah. Um, so so from. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit more about Gigabytes. They have they have a massive selection. And actually, I was telling somebody else here that um, it's it's really funny when people come to Gigabytes for tournaments from all over because and and they do they come from all over the country. Um, actually, they just had an Armada tournament that um, that actually was the biggest in the country. So you know at, that, at Gigabytes at Gigabytes. Yeah. So you know that was impressive on its own. But then they. Um, you know, you see these people walking around and looking at all this stuff, and you see them making this mental checklist of what they're going to buy as they walk through the aisles. And then you see by the time they get to the end of the aisles, you know, and they've looked at everything at least once, right. the depression set in because they realize, A, they didn't bring a big enough bag, and B, they don't have enough money to buy everything they want to buy. Absolutely. And, That's and, the story of my life every time I go to a convention like this. Oh, Or right? I go to a, I mean, I want everything. The reality is I don't have the time or money to play everything. Yes. No, it's definitely a, a challenge. And, and I, I know that one especially because, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, I, I have a podcast. And, you know, every time we interview someone, I want to play their game. Absolutely. And let's jump into that skirmish supremacy. Yes, skirmish what supremacy. Was the, what was the inspiration for that podcast? Well, even shortly before I, uh, I moved to the Atlanta area, I was, I was encountering, you know, different little games and all that. And I'm like, you know. Having having been in you know something of a 40k bubble, like oh, there really are other games. Right. No one else really knows about them. We you know we should find a way to talk about it. And and so I was considering doing a podcast, and then I uh, I met Tim one day. That's and, Tim. I'm gonna let you say his last name because oh. I slaughter every time I say it. Oh, it's uh you know cork corkscrew. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, it's it's Korkleski. <laughs> uh, famous for uh, his book Ragnarok now right. that just uh, came out. Osprey game. Yeah. Uh, from Osprey, yeah. Um, heavy metal Viking combat. Yeah, um, it's and, fantastic. Oh, and it, it's a it's a great game. It, it really, you know, some games have descriptors. That heavy metal uh, Viking combat really is an apt descriptor. Right. Uh, when you can uh, super kick a person across the battlefield, uh, which, which I did. That's um, awesome. You know, it's it it is just what what model range are you using for that? Um, so there, there's a lot of different ones: Bronze Age, Foot Sore. Um, you can so even you're just get using some the historical Reapers. stuff and just yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I yeah. mean because it's still it's still historical. There's there's uh, well, it's uh, just it's like, so almost like like a superhero layer, right. metal layer on top. Well, of yeah. It. So so for Ragnarok, it's it's that um, you know like the end t- Ragnarok happened. So Fenrir, you know. Ate the uh, ate the moon. Um, Yggdrasil, you know, has collapsed. The the Aesir are dead. So now there's all this power kind of floating around, and the survivors are trying to grab it. Right. So you know, it's post-apocalyptic Vikings. So so you have just normal guys trying Absolutely. to you know trying to become the new god. You mentioned Osprey, their game line. I love some of the you know, Gaslands. They've got some great stuff in that line. Oh, totally. Osprey, you know, Osprey comes out with some really good stuff and. 
you know, and then like any company, you know, they, they have some okay some stuff, duds. but they yeah. they have some they have some really good. I mean, Frostgrave is the one that everybody claims. Frostgrave is is definitely a good one. Uh, you know, yeah, no, I, I like Osprey as a as a company. You know, because so you, yeah, so you started this podcast. Was it oh. from the name? Was the the name Skirmish Supremacy? What was it, your intention to stick to skirmish games or small scale football um, games? Partly. So, so the idea behind it, you know, and, and so like Tim and I got talking and we were talking about, you know, talking about the indie games and, and, you know, really, really it's more the indie games. You right. know, we didn't want to cover games that are from big publishers. So not infinity, no, no mainstream stuff, right? Yeah. You know, you know, no, yeah, no mainstream stuff. So, you know, no infinity, no, no magic, no GW. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, no warlord. Exactly. Because they're, they're already getting, you know, enough coverage. Um, or, you know, generally do. So, you know, it's, and then, you know, a lot of the games that are coming out from indies are skirmish games. A, because it's, you know, if you only need 10 or 20 models, you can you can commission a range pretty easily and, uh, you know, get get stuff put out for it. And you it's know. a short ask for somebody to say, buy into my game and it's only... 12 models or whatever. Right. Oh, buy a Kings of War army. Okay, it's 150 models, right? I mean, it's a different... Right. It's a different barrier to entry. And it definitely is. Um, And so, you know, sticking with the skirmish games, and, you know, skirmish is is a little bit loose. Um, You know, some some of my favorite games end up being... uh, um, skirmish games that are, are like unit level skirmishes. Well, you know, you were, why don't you talk a little bit about the game you were playing so, here? Because so that's kind here, of a kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's a good example, and you know, it, it definitely falls with the historical games. But um, I was I was here demoing uh, Clash of Spears, which is releasing in November December from uh, Alvaro and uh, Francisco uh, Arise. I think that's how you say their last name. I don't know. I didn't ask him before I came here. Wasn't expecting to be on a podcast telling people about I it. I understand. So. Well, I saw but, it on uh, Facebook. I mean, I, you guys did a lot of uh, hype. Yes. So it, it looked so, like you were busy all weekend too. Oh, definitely. I uh, I have I've been I've been definitely busy. I actually managed to hold on to my table even longer than I was supposed to have it. So uh, right in front of the doors, so people were coming in and stopping by to play. But it's a um, it's an ancient skirmish game. It's set during the first and second Punic War. So it's Republican Romans, Carthage. There's some Greeks. There's Iberians and Gauls, uh, and and several other factions that are are coming out for it. You play with it's it's anywhere from about thirty to eighty models. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to keep pushing their limit. Actually, I just told the guys this morning that I wanted to play a thousand point game. Uh, they usually uh, say anywhere between about four to six hundred points. I've already pushed it up to eight hundred, so I'm like, yeah, I want to play a thousand points, and then. And they, they laughed uh, hesitantly. Absolutely. Now, the rule set um, they're publishing, are they coming out with a model range, or are they they have ones that they've picked out and said, use these guys? Or Right. So I'm not fully in the loop on that one. I know that they have, have talked with certain uh, manufacturers. Uh, I know that they have talked about commissioning some at least uh, limited edition models, um, but I don't know their, their end goal currently. What models did you use for the demo? So, so here I was using Victrix, and the nice part with the plastics, it, yeah, the, oh, the Victrix so plastic, they're yeah. they're great. Um, you know, you get a lot in a box, and the nice part is, is if you get into into the game, you generally can buy a box um, and split it with somebody. You know, right. so if anybody else is looking to get into that faction, you you're easily going to be able to split whatever you got models you get. for days. Yeah, 
because, you know, I mean, some of the boxes come with 60 models, which, you know, when you add in some of the other units that you're going to have, you're not going to need all 60 out of that box. So it, it's, it's a really fun game. You play with, you know, um, well, like I said, 30 to 80 models. Um, it has a alternating activation system. So like, like bolt action or? Um, kind of. Uh, yeah. and the, that's one of the things that I like about the game, since, since you mentioned, you know, like yeah. another system and all that. Is that it takes it takes several components from from different games. Some of it not intentionally. P- two smart people can come up with the same idea. I- exactly, you know, and and you know, it's just like whenever you read a you know some sort of you know fiction book or whatever. Oh, they're like, you oh, know, it's, it's just like Tolkien. Well, maybe not, you know. Right. You maybe know, maybe it is just. There, there's those little tweaks that help bring it to you know similar to what you know you know is is Tolkien or you know yeah. whatever. You know, it's just like any role-playing book is is D and D in some shape or form, right? Or you know, was inspired at some point. There's there's definitely tweaks and major bends and all Absolutely. that. And that's that's the great part about this is that they actually brought components from a lot of different different games, and when they put it together, it makes a really nice system that has things that it's like, oh, I like that in that system, and having it here is really useful. Right. It's a fun game. Plays in about two hours for the full-on game. Um, generally, you know, when you're playing in the, you know, recommended anywhere from 400 to 600 points. What's the table size? Uh, the table size, uh, it varies a little bit. You're you're gonna play anywhere on a from a three by three to a four by four. You can even play on a four by six. Um, one of the mechanics, though, is that you you start at, with a hidden deployment. Okay. So so you have your have your guys numbered. And then you have so many tokens, and then for your light units and some different units, you get extra tokens. Mm-hmm. So then you're moving those across the board, and, and it's actually a really quick phase, but you're, you're trying to put your stuff advantageous, at the same time possibly trying to stop your opponent from getting to certain advantageous locations. Right. Is that kind of like so, a scenario play? You've got to get to... I mean, maybe it's right, but also what it is is this is this is your your start to it. Like you know that that guy's over oh, there, but you don't know you haven't seen them yet. Right. So once you're at the range where you see them, what happens is you you lock your models. I see. So, you see so like they stop where tokens they could be. Right. So you know that's where you know units could be, and so once everything gets locked, you then reveal your tokens and put your army out. Right. So you know you could have had a unit that. With, you know, a token for a unit that was moving way up and around, and and he, you know, to try and stop you from getting somewhere, you know, that he doesn't want right. you, like his rear, you know, he gets something in place to stop you, and then you reveal that it was nothing, and he moves stuff, you know, Absolutely. to try and stop you. So, you know, it's it's got a lot of uh, fun me- uh, mechanisms uh, beyond beyond that, you know, intro stuff. You have. Um, the alternating activations, like I said, um, it has a fatigue system in it um, that is that is challenging. The game does become you know part of fatigue management, um, which which is a great component and it works seamlessly with it because it makes makes sense. Absolutely. Um, What's the response been? Because you did a lot of demos yesterday. I, I did a lot of demos yesterday. I did a lot of demos on Friday, and the response has been great. Um, people have really enjoyed it. There's been some feedback, and actually I have taken it back because uh, the rules are still being somewhat finalized. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm, I'm even got an outdated rule book. Uh, they haven't pushed the new one, but there was a couple things in there. I was like, hey, guys, I thought this was gone. They're like, it is, but you know, we haven't pushed that one yet because we're finishing this or that. Um, so, 
so it's it's been a little bit funny because there have been things that it's you know somebody has commented on and it's like oh yeah that's that's gone right but but well, that's I was the fun part of get, that's the fun part of getting in the game on the ground up exactly <laughs> no and, and I've loved it because uh, you know for the past few months I've been playtesting it with them I've been you know discussing some things um, you know we, we've had some arguments over uh, different rules or whatever mm-hmm. um, but overall you know the end result of the game it it feels like it's improved absolutely what other games I mean obviously you, you talk to a lot of guys I, and girls playing these games making these games writing these games what are some other ones that uh, people need to know about Oh, um, the the first one that always comes to my mind is Relic Blade. Blade now, is, who owns Relic Blade now? Yeah, so so Relic Blade is uh, is it's still owned by Sean Stutter. Okay, that's Sutter, it. Um, mm-hmm. Metal King Studios, and it is it is still 100% independent. Awesome. It is, and it's it's one of the one of the best games. It plays on a two by two, so you know it, it's great. Actually, the guys at Firelock love it, and every time I hang out with them, we end up playing. Uh, yeah. The best part is, is that you know, after a long day on the convention floor, when you go back to your hotel room, you might be kicking back with you know a couple beers or a drink, and you can you know whip out Relic Blade and play it right on the table in the hotel room Absolutely. because you know it. Two by two is a, a, a that's accessible. Exactly, you know, and it only has uh, about a max of six to seven figures awesome. per side. So, you know, you don't even have to bring a lot of models with you. You get one of those little little carrier cases, and, and you're good to go. I, I don't know how to do that. No, I, you, you're, a, you're, you're obsessed. OCD. I, yes, I, I'm, I'm a very big completionist, so I usually end up with uh, ten times as much stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, so Relic Blade's one of the Is ones that... Most, that was mostly Kickstarter, is that right? Yeah, so okay. so he kickstarts it um, when he's doing his expansions. You know, that, that helps to, uh, you know allow him to focus on it right uh to to finish the development and and, you know the great part is he's always finished either on time or uh early well actually i think this last one was a little late but just a little but you know it's only gotten better and that's that's the other part you know because that was another one that i got you know kind of the ground floor on and just watching it develop has been great right um because he's just he's he's gotten better with everything, with his vision and all that, and he's and, he's an artistic person. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he does all the art, he yeah. does the rules, he does the sculpting. That's um, great. That's and, really cool. And he's a comic book artist by right. by trade. So yeah, you know. So that's one. Blood and Plunder's another. Uh, game love that I love Firelock games. They're they're big fans of Kings of War. I mean, that's the go to naval game for twenty eight millimeter. That's it. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, it's no, awesome. Uh, There's no question. Yep. Uh, Ragnarok is another one that I'd have to, you know, throw the shout yep. out for. Uh, Tim worked his butt off, and it is a it is a great game. I've had fun helping uh, where I have on that. Um, actually, I, I totally love where he put uh, the honorable mentions or whatever in the back, where you know, uh, you know, thank uh, myself, Robin, and a couple other people for making him cry every time we tore his rules apart. That's I'm, your job as a playtester, ex- exactly. You know, and, and as a friend, you know, and. You know, to try and make sure it's as, as good as possible. You Absolutely. know, and if it doesn't make sense to me, I'll fight you until you make it make sense to me. So do you just play a different game every week? Are you just, like, constantly changing games? So I'm a, I'm a little too obsessive-compulsive. Uh, when I get on a kick for something, I get on a kick for it. And, and it can it, it can vary. Um, right. It can last months to, you know, a few weeks. Yep. Um, and it, and it kind of depends on what the energy around me is. As long as other people have that energy, I've got the energy for it. Well, don't so. you bring the energy and everybody else around well, just orbits you? 
Uh, you you well, seem like a pretty good cheerleader for a game. I, I, I can be. I can be. But, uh, you know, like anything, we, we all get busy with our lives and Absolutely. all that. So, so sometimes I'm not always able to cheerlead games like I want. It helps if you're not a one-man show. Yes. Right? You want people to, to help. Like, you get a club and they all, all of you are a collectively pushing whatever game that is. Exactly. And then so, you know, that's the nice thing about Gigabytes is there's there's a bunch of us that like the same games. Now, the funny part is is that, you know, like like any people, you know, you, you ask a group of, you know, four people where they want to eat and they're all going to say four different things. Exactly. Same you thing know, with gaming. Hey, what do you guys want to play? Well, I want to play this. Well, I was feeling this. Well, I was feeling that. You know, so when you do get that synergy and everyone's like, yes, let's play this, you're like, yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting about you, kind of the games you play, I would consider most of those games are not lifestyle games, right? They're not games that you have to, in Kings of War or whatever, right. you uh, feel like you, you are invested <clears throat> in, and that's your main game. Do you have, like, do you... Do you I don't. I, I'll have a main game for a while. Like, right, right now, the Clash, flavor of, is, Clash of Spears mm-hmm. is, is my main game. It's one of the ones I'm focusing on. Earlier this year, uh, I had a big focus on uh, Fallout Wasteland Warfare. How, how did how was that game? I like it. I, I like it a lot. I like the mechanics. You, one of the first things that caught me was when I opened the rule book. One of the first things they had was a um, an accessibility guide. So they had the different measuring tools, and they're like, if you're colorblind, there's these symbols on oh, it. Here's amazing. what you look for on the dice, on the measuring sticks, and all that, so that you can you know you can still play the game and not have to worry about the color. And then they use yeah. those things throughout, you know, and then they use symbols for things throughout, you know. Is that so, modifious? Uh, it is modifious. Okay. So they're not not really known for their uh, tabletop games, but they really knocked it out of the park when they Well, when they, they have that, this. but they also have, didn't they have Alien versus Predator? And, um, so... I mean, I know I think it's they, dead they, at this point, but... No, that that was Protoss. Oh, that's Protoss. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. What if this is more RPG, I think? Yes, they, they've yeah. done a lot of RPGs. They have done some mini stuff. Yeah, so you can yeah, tell I'm not, I'm not into the... Right, industry right. Like you're, 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 you're. I'm more totally like Kings a modern of War. gamer, yeah. So, which you know is, is is great. I haven't played Kings of War in a while. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit excited seeing a new edition yeah, coming out. Yeah, well, it's a new edition. It means great things for all the communities. Jumpstart and all that. Yeah, that comes I'm. That. I'm totally hoping my uh, my brotherhood get uh, some cool abilities. Um, they might. They, they might. Hey, yeah. just as long as Brotherhood are still there, that's that's a bonus. Well, right? that that's right? true. That's always a you know because mm. I don't know if you read any of the fluff, but they pretty much killed the Brotherhood off. Oh, did they? And so no, they, I haven't so kept up with. They've the been fluff. swallowed into the abyss, and now they're like this uh, roving mercenary army type of thing. Ah, and so we're waiting to hear what the new fluff is going to be. So we really, all right. Ronnie Renton has kind of alluded to it, but we don't have concrete. This is what it's going to be. Gotcha. So it's going to exist. We just don't know what in, form, what in what form yet. So, I see. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, I will. I will well, have not to. Not cool if you're a, not. Well, not, not cool. A, not, not cool, cool if you're a brother they, guy they on, the, on just, a tower and the, and the whole castle gets absorbed into the, the abyss. But yeah, true. But <laughs> but cool that the you know storyline is progressing. So you absolutely. Know. Yeah, and a third edition gives you that opportunity to really jumpstart. Obviously, fix points and things that you just can't do with annual updates. You right. kind of reset some of the things thematically. They're adding new armies and new models, and so it's just it's a good yeah. jumping off point. Yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. Marietta, we're uh, or Gigabytes. I know there is some Kings of War there. Yeah, David there's, Lundy. There, there's some, some guys that play. Dave Lundy. Um, uh, you have JJ. JJ and Michelle Jones. Wife. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and there's um, 
Patrick Justice. And, and then there's there's other players. Those are just the you know some of the people that I've known for you know a little little while now that uh, play Kings of War. You know, some of it is, some of them are, you know, more the south side. So, whereas Marietta's up on the north side of yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, I know so, that they also play Discover. Some of those guys play Discover. Right. So, so making the trips, you know, up to gigabytes can be, uh, you know, challenging and time-consuming. So, but it it has a has a decent following. It's it's always a little bit funny um, because David, the store owner at Gigabytes, you know, when something isn't really going, oh, and, he's, dump it. and he's poked and prodded it, you, you can actually see when uh, Kings of War is doing good because he brings it back into the store, yeah. and then once it dies off, he gives it he gives it a while. Actually, yeah. he gives any product a good while because he never likes to kill a product. But you know, once he you know has decided it's dead. And, and he's, he's done it before. He yeah. just yeah. chops I it. I think he's done that two or three times already with Kings of War. Yes. So, and, 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 that's, and that's fine. You know, you want to turn your inventory over. You don't want to have a bunch of money tied into it. Exactly. And you have limited shelf space. Yeah. I and, get it. And, he, and he's done that, you know, and he's done that with multiple other games as well. So, you know, there's, there's some of the games that, you know, I keep trying to champion that, you know, it just ends up, you know, I don't always have time to run it. And, and it, you know, some of them aren't self-starters. They need that one person to, to push right. it. You know, because there's there's a bunch of players. There's a bunch of players that come out of the closet and all that. They're like, oh, hell yeah, I want to play. Right. You know, every time he talks about hacking stuff, I'm like, I totally understand if you if you take that one off the shelf. I'll be sad, but I get it because... Yeah. But, he, you know, so far my games have really stuck around. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, when he starts threatening, you know, it also helps as that motivator, so... Well, yeah, I mean, if you... I mean, obviously the, the store needs... The player base. Oh yeah, definitely. To back. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a two way street, right? We want them to, to stock it. They want us to buy it. Yeah. And it's got we got to be on the same page. Oh, definitely. So going back to your podcast, you know, what are you looking to the future? What are you hoping to do? I mean, you guys have done a ton of interviews with independent game designers. Yeah. Uh, and trying to get the word out about you know exposure. So we have and um and Tim who uh, you know recently uh, well it's been a year now. He adopted kids. He's got um, he's got a lot of rule books. He's uh, writing a lot of games that he's doing. A lot of consulting work. Is he's this your doing. Show, a long way of saying he, you're solo now. Uh, I am not solo. Um, right. We we've had uh, Robin on the team. He's mm-hmm. been on the podcast here and there. Um, but Tim had to uh, step back a, a few months ago. And, and you know, it's if hard. Anyone, anyone who listens to the podcast will notice that it's been spotty um, for at least the last six months. Because the same, the same thing, you know, the same thing kind of is happening with me. I, I've got so many things, you know, so many irons in the, the fire, in the fire yeah. that you know, taking the time to edit the podcast, which only takes a little bit, is still. But it adds up. It does. And it, it's like it, every week you're doing stuff. It's like okay, yeah. at some point you're just like. So what we've so, done is we've just added a bunch of extra hosts because we're bringing in people because we we want the extra manpower. So that right. we don't all feel like one person is shouldering the burden. Right. But and you got to find people that are passionate and share your vision and you can get along with because it's a family, right? Oh, definitely. So we have Robin, and I, I love Robin to death. He's great on the show. And, and actually, um, he, he, uh, he helps to uh, drive me to uh, do more before a show because Robin will absorb a rule set if somebody sends it to him. And just have all these great questions from it, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I um, I skimmed like the first twenty pages. I, I kind of liked your fluff." Well, that's part of the, um, the things difficult with you guys because, like for me, Kings of War, I, I know it. I've been playing. Right. It's absorbed. I don't have to like. I'm not having to learn new things every episode. I'm talking about 
whatever, the topics that are in our community, you guys are having to start some degree from scratch. Oh, yeah. Here's a new rule set, here's some new models, here's a new game designer, go. And yeah, so no, you're exactly. having to jumpstart almost like a new podcast from the ground up every time you're doing a new, you know, covering a new sub- subject. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I end up having to ask usually every episode is, you know, what kind of system does it use? Does it use dice? Is it D6? Is it D10? D20? Um, you know, is it D12? Is it D36? What's your um, preference for dice systems? Oh, that... So I keep working on my own kind of dice system, and I, I keep leaning towards kind of a D12 so that it's not uh, a total percent. You know, it's not like, you know, a D10, which is an even percentage, or a D6, which which can be um, too narrow. So I, I'm leaning towards, like, a D12 system. But it, it really depends. It um, You know, so, like, Clash of Spears, for example, it uses D6, but you have your different responses and stuff like that that, you know, you can do. So even in combat, there's, there's multiple ways to try and prevent the damage right. using certain stats and all that. So, you know, it kind of balances itself out and doesn't feel feel bad now you know if you if you do something like tim did with ragnarok with his morpheus engine and you do a 2d6 system that has this you know that has that you know bell curve you know that's that's well known and understood and you use that properly you can make a great game um and then you know d10 d10 is all of them it really comes down to the game and it comes down to the game mechanics and do they use it right? Use the right tool for the job. Right. So, you know, um, though I don't mind playing Frostgrave, I can't ever take Frostgrave too serious because it, it has that super wild, wild variability with using a D20. I think that's that, part of the charm, though, too, right? They right. Want, and, they want that narrative, crazy, cinematic moment. And I, and I get it. Right. And No, totally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that is definitely something Joe McCullough has, has said and he's yeah. written in his blog. You know, even when he announced second edition coming out, he said that, you know, it's going to keep the D20 in the wacky charm that it definitely has, you know, but it's 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 still interesting and it's it's one of those ones that's a little bit challenging to do because, you know, especially me, if I start getting bad dice rolls, I don't get mad at the person I'm playing. I get mad at the game, right. and so I don't always become the you know the greatest person. I I, I have uh, you know at times looked at someone and gone, sorry, I'm not mad at you. I'm <laughs> mad at my dice. I'm mad at the game or whatever right. for for these reasons. You know, and and you know, I mean, I think we all end up with that occasionally. You know, you're just grumbling about you know your bad dice rolls and all that. So. so- when you look at the, the games that you play, what are you taking out of them? Is it more the competitiveness? Is it the hobby? Is it the social experience? What I mean, it's probably some portion of all three, but which one of those things would you say, this is, this is my driving force of those facets? One of them is, it ends up being imagery. If you make your game look good and have good models, or evocative models, I should say. One, one example would be uh, like uh, Twilight World of Anyarl. Even his early sculpts, they they look like dinosaur puppets. Absolutely. Not you know so, but they're very evocative. It feels you know kind of Jim Henson-ish. Dark know, crystal. And, dark crystal. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it feels very you know like that. Some of the sculpts, especially his early stuff, is is really simple because he was still learning to sculpt then. Yeah. But it still feels you know it it still evokes the imagery that you want. Absolutely. So. 
So, you know, that drives. And then, you know, and then the game system comes into play. And in there, actually, combat's done. You throw these little stones. And one side has a mark on it. The other side doesn't. And so if you get the side with the mark, you get, uh, you know, you succeed. So that's how combat's done. You just throw a number of these little stones, you know. And, and it's such a fun, simple little system uh, that, that makes for a lot of, you know, a lot of good gameplay. And so, yeah, they've got their different factions. And, and one of them, the one that I, I really like is the uh, Kasani, which are, are, are kind of like uh, Native Americans uh, out on the plains. And so, you know, like they look, they don't look necessarily very Native American, but they look like that almost primitive right. sort of people. You know, um, the funny part is is that they they kind of make them out to be these barbarians because they have they um, they're very uh, they're they're much bigger than the other you know people of their race and stuff like that. So you know it's it's you know so your fluff is also something that'll pull me in. Background you know, stories are amazing. If, back, if, if you do it well, it's great. If you do it poorly, or it's yeah. it's not enough, then you kind of feel like I'm, I don't feel engaged. Right. It doesn't feel pervasive. It doesn't, you know. Yeah, definitely. So you know, if if you have good fluff, I'm I'm all about it. Absolutely. Um, Looking back on the podcast, give me. I'm going to ask a couple weird questions. One is, what's one product, game, person that you met? You know, that hadn't maybe had a Kickstarter that you liked but never took off for whatever reason? And and why don't you think it took off? But you liked it, it just, for whatever reason, it never got critical mass. There, there was one, it was um, a kind of uh, Lost World, Wild West, uh, guys riding dinosaurs. Oh, it was recent, right? Um, so they, came, they did it again recently, but um, they... Uh, they had also done it, um, this was, uh, I don't know, a year and a half, two years okay. ago, I think, uh, with one of their first Kickstarters. It was weird, uh, you know, so they had a lot of cool models, they had a lot of cool plans, um, but it never really, you know, took off, and, you know, the, the, there's several factors, but it, it, was, it was still weird to, you know. Was the funding level too high, you think? I don't think the funding level was too high, but I think it, you know, I mean, you're, you're kind of hitting a niche market in a niche market. And I, you know, I think some of it came down to just not, not knowing how to market it properly and right. get that word really out to people. Right. What so, was it called? Priming? What was it called? No. Um, that, and that's what I'm trying to think of. Uh, you right. I, I can't think of its name right now, uh, which is, which is terribly unfortunate. Um, I would have to look it up, but um, you know, I, I think I've I've been kind of lucky. Most I can't think of many of the of the games that have been on the podcast that haven't haven't been successful. Right. Um, well, I, I, most of the time, I think people that are trying to get a new game, they temper their expectations and they start with a reasonable goal, like, hey, we're going to get two factions. They don't, you know what I mean? They, they don't right. try to come. Out, we're not going right. to. We're not going to take over 40k. Yeah. Right. So I guess one other game I can think of, it, it actually succeeded the first round on Kickstarter, and that was uh, Purgatory by Underestimated Games. That's, yeah. And, and so it has this really neat story, has these beautiful models, came in this great box set. I mean, you know, just just a great little thing. I never, I, I've got it. I haven't actually played the game. Um, they did have some delays and all that stuff. You know, Purgatory, you know, had these great minis, um, yeah. and he went to Kickstarter again to to try and uh, fund the expansions, and 
and it just it never took off no matter what he tried um it was really hard for him to market because it it was this really weird kind of uh um designer boutique game it's hard to get critical mass when you're a niche in a niche in a niche exactly so you know it's you know and and you see that with with a lot of games um we never actually had Tor Gaming on, but they had their. Um, That's what I was thinking. Their, when you said Relic game. Blades, I was thinking of Tor Gaming. Right. Because yeah, they had and they, Relics. They had and, Relics. And then that yeah. one's now TT Combat or War Cradle Studios or. What? Uh, TT Combat. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so so TT Combat bought it, uh, and they're, they've got some of the lines still in production, but they don't have all of it. I'm concerned about TT Combat in the sense that, like, I have played Dystopian Wars in the past, I had played Uncharted. I just don't know if. Do they have enough resources to do all these things, keep all these things in the air, and then also, oh, we're going to make a halfling army. We're going to, you know what I mean? It's yeah. So it's always a concern to me when you have companies that, that feel like maybe I, they're going a bridge too far, and or they're only going to focus on, they're going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, and only the stuff that, I, get, I mean, I mean, it's a business, right? The, the stuff, stuff that sticks. sticks. Yeah, yeah. What you're going right. to focus on. But then the rest of the stuff slides down off the wall, hits the floor, and it's over. Right. And you start ending up with, you know, some of the, some of the you know, like GW Specialist Games scenario where, yeah. where there was all these, you know, good games, but they just, they couldn't focus on all of them. So they all slowly went well, away. And, and there's people arguing with Magic about that same thing because you've got Kings of War, which is pretty popular. Yep. Uh, you've got Dead Zone, which is really popular. But then you've got a lot of other games. And it's like, you can't really fault them for taking the Hellboy license and making a board game out of it because why wouldn't you? Oh, but yeah. certainly that means there's less resources. And my mind is if you can have, if that game can pay for the rest of us, right? Literally, if yeah. you can make all the money off of Hellboy, then great. But, I mean, I can see the point where, you know, they've got a new one coming out called League of Infamy, which is going to be kickstarting this month. They've got the Kickstarter with Red Scar for their new Kings of War RPG. So, I mean, I think it's probably a problem for a lot of companies where they... Attention is spread out too thin, maybe at times. Right, uh, and and so you know that can give you know your your um, fans a an anxiety, you know, because you are like, well, you know, is it going to get the attention it needs? You know, and especially with Kings of War coming out for its uh, third edition, third edition right? you know, I you know now now we got to be worried that maybe uh, maybe the um, you know third edition isn't going to be as good as even second edition was. Maybe it's not going to have the right improvements. Or maybe I'm going to pay, you know, $50 for a book and find that it's nearly a reskin of right. of what we had with second edition. Absolutely. Um, you know, with, with some slight tweaks. It, it was just a big errata, you know. And, right. yeah. and you know, then you're going to have all those people that are raging, you know, yeah. because of that. Yeah. So so it is, it is definitely one of those things that, you know, gives people a little bit of anxiety. I hope I just induce some more. Yeah, yeah. well, I think the one thing that, that there are people that uh, some of the younger players... That, that we're not part of, we call them Warhammer refugees. Those of us that were with Warhammer, right? We've been through the transitions, and with a Warhammer fantasy change, it was a new game. So yes, you went from one edition to another. The game was not the same. Mechanics were all different. Okay, yes, there's still rank and file. We still have D6s. That's about you know, and there was shooting in Malay, but right. I mean, but you it's know, different. All the things that would be in a fantasy, or any kind exactly. of battle. Game. So we're hoping, you know. We, I'm expecting it to be like first to second edition where it is a cleaned up version of the rule set, which is what I'm expecting and we're all hoping that's that's what happens. Right. Don't no, go too definitely. far. Don't change whenever you go through edition, don't change what I liked about the game. Just make it better. 
Right. You know, fix the fix the little you know imbalances that you found. Absolutely. In, you know, during the game. So you talk to a lot of people with Kickstarters, and, I, and Kickstarter is like a love hate relationship with me because there's a lot of companies that use Kickstarter as a pre-ordering system, and I get it; it's a great marketing tool. But I've talked to some smaller guys, and they're under the impression that you know. When the cool minis are not, and the monoliths, and all these companies go in there, it is pulling. Yes, more money's going to Kickstarter, but a larger percentage is funneling to these big, giant splash releases. And this is all my opinion, of course. Some of the smaller guys are having a harder time. Yes, there's more eyeballs, but there's less money allocated to those smaller boutique, interesting concepts that oh yeah, uh, you know, Kickstarter is getting away from. We're funding. You know, it's, yeah. it's a marketing platform now. Well, so I mean, you talk to you've talked to tons and tons I, of Kickstarter. I have, and actually, there was one, and um, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, I mean, I, I have lots of examples. Like there, there have been people that um, that have uh, you know some of the Kickstarter you know stu- stuff down to um, not exactly a science, but you know, like there's been the research and all that, um, and there's like enough trending. You can kind of see when the big companies are releasing something, you know, and so they're like, okay, well, these, these like, you know, time periods are when it's not ideal to release a product or, or whatever. What day of the week, what time of the year. Yeah, well, uh, then, then you have that part, you know, what, what, uh, what time of the week, what, uh, you know, time of the year. But also, when when are the big companies normally releasing? So I can try and avoid the, theirs or get mine in before theirs. And I, and I've seen companies that Kingdom Death is is a good example. Somebody had a campaign that was going pretty well, and then Kingdom Death one came of the, on and destroyed it because it's going to pull millions of dollars. Right. One one of their last ones came out, and yeah, all it's of like a sudden, black hole. all of a sudden, their funding just you know like they had people you know withdrawing their yeah. you know funding. And, you know, it was, you know, I mean, you can't directly see that it's going to Kingdom Death, but that was the big game, and you Absolutely. saw those numbers rolling up. Almost as soon as your numbers went down, their numbers went up. Absolutely. You know? and, and so, yeah, it can be really challenging, especially when it is that pre-order system, to get people to, um, to you know, buy into yours. It also has changed people's perceptions of how Kickstarter is supposed to be. Now you're seeing like fully done minis, fully done rules. You know, we just need to do the X, it's Y, a pre-order Z system and in some regard. They may not have it produced, but it's ninety percent of the way there. Yeah, sometimes they do. So yeah. some and, of the, and, some and of the like, big companies actually do have that stuff just absolutely. waiting for the people. And what kills me though is one of the things that I miss is that in the early days of Kickstarter, I felt like I was able to communicate with the producer or the company or the person and share what I liked about it, and they were able to change the product to the feedback that was given to them from the community. Right. And I feel like some of that's lost. Some some of that is because now when you go on with a game, if you just have your art, your concepts, your fluff, a lot of people aren't going to find it enough. They're not going to find that it's actually what they want. They're, They're not willing to wait. They're not well. They're not in it for the investment. They're they, in it for right. the, they're, they're okay. In it it's for, cheaper. It's I'm gonna get it faster. Right. You I'll know, pick it up at Gen Con. They're, they're in it for the stretch goals, exactly. and, and that's that's really what drives people to you know backing stuff on Kickstarter. Yeah. Is that it, it's all the stretch goals, all the free stuff or the extra stuff that you know if I back it, I can get them. Absolutely. Give me um, a Kickstarter that is was done perfectly. Like this is if I was to run a Kickstarter today, this is the Kickstarter that I would show others to imitate. So, so that's challenging. There, there's a lot of good ones. I'm going to go back to, to Sean and, uh, and Relic Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, he really does it well. He puts his energy in it. 
he gets his prototypes, he does paint those up, um, or you know at least some of them. You know, and he and he keeps it. The biggest thing is he tries to keep it as reasonable as possible. He goes, this is what I should be able to accomplish in this time period, and I will not go above this. Um, or you you're know, not over, you're not going to expand the scope to the point where it's going to be detrimental to the project. Exactly, uh, and and that is one of the challenges that people have, or that you know some Kickstarters have. Well, they just see the money flowing, and, and they're like, "We'll just keep giving you stretch goals." Right. Oh, yeah. okay. And more money flows in, and you just it just eventually you don't have the resources, the time, the the energy to pull it off. Right, and and you know it's it can be really hard for them because it is going to be you know, um, or you know they they just they overpromise and they. They don't even realize it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big and, fan of underpromise and overdeliver. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know, and it definitely should be, you know, one of those things. It, and it's a challenging thing, actually. I just backed a, uh, or I backed a little earlier this year, uh, a resin 3D printer. They're like, okay, so we have our prototypes done. We've been using them. We're ready to go to production. We need the numbers. Here's our delivery schedule if you get, you know, and they had the tiers for... Yeah, so, like, you got one you know, 100 units goes in October. and it, yeah. Exactly. And I actually really like that because it, it's more it, realistic. Exactly. They're saying, you know, th- we're, we're setting our expectation. This is what we're going for, you know, and then even when they, you know, like the, you know, the risks and challenges, they're like, we shouldn't really have any because we're planning this out as we're doing right. it. I, I will say that they are um, running behind, but the running behind was actually because it was originally you were going to buy the printer, and then if you bought resin, it was going to come separately. And most people were buying a bottle of resin with the printer, so you were paying extra shipping. Well, they actually worked with the factory, and they were able to change the, how the boxing went to be able to actually fit the bottle of resin in there and save you the shipping. Right. So they went, hey, guys... You know, we're we're going to be delayed. This is why. But you're going to save money, and, and you're going to save money. And, people, and for people, those of you who have paid the shipping, we'll actually, you know, we'll we'll either give it to you as a refund or store credit. You know, you just it'll, it'll be up to you. If you just communicate, and, uh, it takes ninety percent of the problems away. If you're it, honest and upfront about it. it. Look, I forgot this, guys. I screwed this up. This yeah. is what we're going to do. Yeah, uh, it, communication is key. Now, I know that um, infamous JT, his uh, his Kickstarter for um, Warsaw 1944, uh, which is it's all just figures for the Warsaw Uprising during World War II, he's, he's had different things happen, delays. He's tried to be as upfront as possible. Uh, and there have been some people that are just absolutely vicious. Well, it's him. the mob, right? Right. You know, and and <laughs> you live so, in, you live in, you live live and die by the sword, I guess. At that point, yeah. It, and uh, and it's so unfortunate because you know the, he's well intentioned. He's not, right. He didn't you mean know, for this he, to happen. It's not like he took the money and ran. Yeah, which know. which does happen on occasion. It, it does. It does. Uh, there I, there are definitely. I've been fortunate that I've only had one Kickstarter that never delivered. Out of uh, all the ones I've done, so I'm knock on wood. Yeah, no. Maybe I've just know, jinxed myself. Right. You know, I, I have not had many that haven't fulfilled. I have one out there that um, the guy pops up every now and again and indicates that he's still I working know. on it. I know. Which one is it? What was the product? It, it was Dice. Okay. Because I got um, one where it was supposed to be like a Viking plastic set uh, of terrain, basically. And oh. He pops up every once in a while. Hey, they stole my money, blah, 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 but nothing ever happens. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, it's like, it'd be better at this point just shut up and... I've lost the, the investment. That's fine. Right. 
So, so these dice are, um, uh, well, I bought them in like 2014, you know, backed them on Kickstarter. It was me and several other people. So we backed it in 2014, and um, every now and again the guy pops up, and he seems to have these, uh, you know, the, these sprees of, you know, I'm really working on da-da-da-da-da. Well, I noticed earlier this year that there's actually a, a Facebook group, and I joined that. It has been the most hilarious thing in the world because these people are so angry and all they do is they, they make memes and post memes about how angry they are that, you know, that they don't have their dice and all that. Um, awesome. Now, now some of them, you know, will post the, you know, one of the trends has been what has basically happened in the time since they backed the pod, yeah. or backed the, the dice, the, and, the project, yeah. and now, and, and one of them's like, well, we finished a five-year campaign that I originally bought the dice for. Uh, you know, another one's like, all right, so I, I got married, I've had two kids, I got divorced, I've gotten married again, you know, so so being in that group is, is absolutely hilarious for all the rage stories. So. What's the worst Kickstarter you've ever seen run? Oh. And, and we'll say that was successful, because there's a lot of Kickstarters that are terrible, that, but they but they don't they don't fund. Ooh, uh, worst Kickstarter ever. That, I... Mm. Not to be difficult, you know, because that's, that's a no. That that one is difficult, uh, you know. Um, I, I almost have to look at my uh, my Kickstarter history to go which one was like the most most not communicative, um, you know, most like what is going on? When is stuff actually going to sh- you know like yeah. like when I act, look, because I'm I'm actually so like Alex from Firelock. I'm almost a fire and forget. Like, I'll think of the things occasionally that I have on Kickstarter it's just gonna or whatever. Show up. It's like a presence. It, yeah, exactly. It's going to show up at some point. And actually, I've almost been as bad as Alex. I, I found out that Alex on occasion will um, will realize like a year or two later that um, he never uh, got his rewards and they actually did fulfill. And so he'll have to reach out and be like, um, hey, guys, I know I'm like super late, but... Uh, can can I get my stuff? Maybe, please. <laughs> I know I didn't do anything I was supposed to. I've almost been that bad. Usually, I fill out you know the surveys and all that, and then I forget about it again. Yeah. One of the things I, I I always feel like conflicted about though, I'll have people on the podcast. If I'm trying to highlight a podcast or whatever, I'm definitely not going to be. I want to be treated like everybody else. So I want my stuff just like everybody else. Does that make sense? Like if, yeah. If, I, if I'm promoting a Kickstarter, I want to be treated. I'm not special. I'll get my stuff just like everybody else. Right. No, definitely. Looking but, at your Kickstarter history, I've actually backed down so that I'm only doing like, um, actually this year I've only backed one Kickstarter. So I'm, I'm kind of really making an effort to say I'm going to pay where I play. But the flip side is in your sphere of the industry, your store's not carrying the stuff you want. So you almost have to go down that route. Right. Well, and, and so that's actually one of the things that I have had to uh, change up doing or, you know, I'm, I'm changing up doing to... Uh, try and ensure that I am am actually supporting my local store mm-hmm. as much as I um, can, is that if I am going to do a, uh, a Kickstarter, I do check to see if he's going to back it. Um, because if he's going to back it at the retailer pledge, step on his toes. then, you know, hey, I'll buy the stuff from you. And actually, even though I've been, um, I'm, I'm a loyal Firelock fan, when they did their Oak and Iron, he said, hey, I'm doing Oak and Iron, and I went, okay, I'll buy it from you when it comes in. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, that way... That's I'm, an interesting thing to do, to have that open dialogue with your store. And, and, and also, if you see a Kickstarter you're interested in, say, hey, are you? is there anybody else in the store interested in this Kickstarter? Yeah. And are you going to back it? Yeah. you Because know, they may not I, even know about it. Right. And, and, I, and I tried to do that. So I did, I did find... Probably the the worst Kickstarter experience 
I have ever had. Uh, I'm glad I saw this. Yes. It was, um, and, and I don't even have a problem saying any of this, but it was Scenography for War Games by Norba Miniatures. I would never recommend... Norba Miniatures, they make some alternative fantasy lines. They're they, still around. They, they are. And um, I've heard nothing but terrible customer service experiences. Right. So they did this Kickstarter. I got my rewards, and some of it didn't come. So when I reached out to them, they just kind of shrugged, you know, uh, over email... They just kind of shrugged. I was looking on the uh, on the actual Kickstarter, and at one point they said, "said you know, stop messaging us on here because we are not responding to anything here." Some of the stuff I did get is not even actually usable. I um, just I actually bad quality. They had these um, buildings that you would put together, resin buildings that you'd put together, but they were so badly cast that they had so much resin that to put them together. I literally would have had to sit down with a with a Dremel and saw off all the resin, and I was like, I... It's not worth it. Throw them in a I, box, give them away, I, whatever. Right. I, I ended up selling them for like 10 bucks at a swap meet just recently. Uh, yeah. I've had them sitting there for like three years just glaring at them, and I was finally like, I'm done, done with, them. with them. Now, some of the pieces are, are really good, but I had some of the other pieces that were just really badly cast so they had they had bubbles in them and yeah you know, uh, you know with and just dealing with companies in general if if they have quality issues and they they give me a a, a, a reasonable customer service response to take care of my problem to feel like I'm heard then I'm cool oh, but no, if you yeah. ignore me Kickstarter or not yeah. I, I'm probably going to say something one time and then I'm never going to say anything again because I'm just going to tell everybody, stay away from these guys. Yes. And so I have a couple of pieces of train that are, are really cool from them that, you know, I... That, do, I, that are actually workable. Yeah, that, that, I, that I've made work. And, you know, I, when I busted out for different different games guys, and all no, that, um, people go like, oh, this is cool. Where'd you get it? And I'm like, I got it from here. But do not yeah. give them your money. Exactly. Norba Miniatures. Yeah, Norba Miniatures. I'm like... Where are they because, located? I'm assuming uh, Europe they, somewhere. They're actually out of Spain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there's so, so many good companies in Spain. And there think. are. I mean, there's so many good companies just everywhere. Ev- everywhere, <laughs> yeah. That, you know, when you encounter the bad one, you're just like, how it, do you it, stay in it's business? It's kind of my rule in life, too, that I, I want to be a positive person. I'm not always positive, but I try to be. And the reality is that there's so many human interactions you have. I don't want to waste any time dealing with Definitely. I'm just like, all right, you're like that. I'm going to go play with these guys, yep. girls. Yep. I mean, you know, and and that's actually the other beautiful thing with, with being in, uh, you know, being around Gigabytes. And I mean, there are other game stores in the Atlanta area that are fantastic as well. Gigabytes is the one that I've made my home. Right. But there's other ones that I enjoy going to when I have the opportunity. Uh, you mentioned Discover Games. Discover down in Fayetteville, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, and and Discover's a great little store as well. Say little, it's not really little. No, yeah, we're fortunate because they they've really helped us out. Uh, with Brian Tucker, right, runs an event there, and yeah. it's a growing little tournament scene down there. So it's been they've been very good ambassadors to our hobby, but I'm sure other people's hobby as well. Definitely, um, yeah, no. So Allen's had me down to run different games, uh, you know, to to demo them. I actually, you know, ran it, went down and did Relic Blade demos, and the response was so overwhelming that people wanted it that he put in this massive order and I came out the day he got it in and it went up for sale and was doing more demos and by the, sold it all by the end of the night oh. he basically had to reorder that's fantastic yeah no I mean it was it was great that's because neat. because there you know and so unfortunately I, I mean there's several people up at gigabytes that have it now as well and we always want to get together but our schedules keep not meeting up so you know 
there, there's a nice little community down at Discover, as far as I know. Um, I haven't I haven't been down there as much as I want recent mem- uh, recent well, times. It's geographics, right? I mean, it's geography. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so. Um, even though I work only about 30, 20, 25 minutes away, after I get done work, I don't want to go over to this, go over to Discover and then have an hour and a half, two-hour drive later on. I understand. Because, you know, it, it's a long day of work and all that. Yeah, no, it's so, it's, so, it's so challenging. If you listen to this, they're probably into Kings of War, but that's not all they play. Give us some podcasts that you listen to that can't countercharge listeners would be like oh yeah we need to try this one let's see i would i would i have to give dan adam oh uh, uh, yeah paint all the minis paint all the that minis. guy is amazing when he got when and he, uh, he got people that i would dream to talk to on you know right. old school gw guys and and you, you he's talk so positive to him and all and he's so positive yeah. and you know there's there's a little there's a no i wouldn't even say a little bit of me but every time i see his stuff you know i I kind of grip my teeth because he's doing so well with doing his podcast yeah, and, and all the stuff around it. And he's built this great community that I'm just super envious of. But then every time I talk to him, he's such a positive guy. He's yeah. great to have on the podcast. He's great to be on his podcast. Absolutely. Um, you know, so you you know why he's he's got those people. Absolutely. You know, what so, other, you, so what other ones? Paint All the Minis is great. So, so Paint what All the Minis is great. Nerd Burger podcast. And, and I encountered it because Craig came out with a Murders and Acquisition RPG book and he came on our podcast and I started listening to his afterwards. They are just a total nerdy kind of podcast that has has weird science information, you know, um, interesting like life situations. They do talk about um, other other geek, you know, cool things. I mean, there is that countercharge one, but you know. No, I mean, honestly, it's the word "Kings of War," right? So right. it's a very it's a very niche thing. It's always I like to listen to the more general ones. You know, D Six Generation before they went on yeah. kind of a hiatus. Uh, well, not hiatus, but they've kind of changed their format. Right. Um, I, I love those guys a lot. Uh, a new one I have been listening to is uh, Chance of Gaming. He's down in Mississippi, and it's uh, interesting about that one is. They're more war game, like classic chip-based kind of. Okay. And I have no desire to play those games. Not one. <laughs> but it's fun to hear about other trends. And and he also, he likes to talk about the controversial stuff that goes on in our industry. Right. So, and I don't want to waste my time finding it on Facebook, so I'll let him find it. And he'll yeah, tell me. Yeah, so. definitely. So uh, Meeples and Miniatures yes. is another one that's, that's fun to listen to from time to time. Um, Models Workshop After Dark can be... Uh, Okay. Can be good. It, it's had its ups and downs over the years. I think every podcast, every, has. everyone does. Um, exactly. You know, everyone does. You know, um, but you know, they they have, and they've had some really great people. Some that are some really good friends of mine. Um, yeah. That you know, it's it's always great to go and hear them. Uh, you know, to listen to them and and then to go you know actually meet them in person. So. Um, you know, th- those are some of the ones that Perfect. I listen to. Um, What's the future hold for your podcast? What, what, what are we going to see in the next year or so? Uh, so, so that's actually one of the things that um, that we're we're figuring out right now. Um, uh, partly because I, though I love having the little guys on, I don't want all, just the little guys that are getting ready to do to go to Kickstarter, and unfortunately that that we got into that some. You got into that trend, and so it's sort of like. Yeah, and so you know, I don't, I don't want it to, you know, basically feel like it's always it's a job. A, Self-fulfilling well, prophecy. It's like right. You sort of just keep. For me, when I do it, it's like 
you just feel like you're doing more of the same, more of the same, more of the same, and you're not really right. doing a service. And, and, you know, I mean, a little bit of, you know, bringing in some of the elements like uh, Dan does that, you know, it's an interview of the person, and then the game isn't necessarily secondary, but I get to interact with you and figure out who you are as a person absolutely, and a gamer. Absolutely. Because that's one of the other things, you know, like, like everyone loves Ronnie, and, you know... Yeah. You know, no, I, everyone knows him. If you're friends with him on Facebook, you know that he always is trying to uh, keep his hats when he goes to conventions. He doesn't normally successfully do that. Yeah. So it's Meeples and Miniatures, the one you mentioned, right? Meeples and Miniatures, yeah. Yep, yeah, cool. I'm going to subscribe to that one. I need something to listen to on the way home. Yeah, uh, and, and they're good. Um, you know, they're they're actually a British uh, podcast. Yeah. I think I some like of them it. are even involved with Two Fat Lardies. Okay. That or they have a deep love of it. Yeah, I Neil Shuck, that name sounds familiar. Thanks for coming on the show. I know we've been talking for an hour. Have we really? We really I was like, We'll just get them on. We'll just chat a little bit. And then, uh, for whatever reason, if I get on a Kickstarter tangent, it's like... Oh, yeah. No, it's still pretty slow because I, I, I have a love-hate relationship. I'm not the market for a lot of those products, but I feel like there's people that they are missing out on an opportunity to invest in experience new things other than just what the big guys are offering. Yeah, just, uh, you know... I mean, nothing wrong with what Cool Mini or Not brings out. It's fine. If you like the game, great. There is other stuff, too. I mean, yeah. Vikings of War... But there's other games I play. We play board games. We play skirmish Definitely. games. And it's, I mean, even if, you know, I mean, there's room for every kind of game in the hobby. <laughs> there, there is. And you're, you're entirely right. There's, there's, you know, you can play more than one game. There are those little games that are absolute gems. They're, they're great. And some of them you, you play just between other games. Right. Um, you know, we we've played Relic Blade, you know, while we're playing big games or you know like organized kind of game days or whatever. We we may play you know Relic Blade between rounds because it only takes 15, 20, 30 minutes at the most to play the game. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Nick, for coming on. I know you probably got to be packing up to head back to. Are you heading back to Atlanta? You're. I yeah. I, I will be. I'll be leaving in a little bit. I'm gonna probably do a little bit more shopping. Shopping. I did some shopping. Uh, I bought some. I always like to find stuff that I that I don't know, like. Scatter train for sci-fi games. I'm like, yeah. well, you know, like uh, it's not something so easy to necessarily. To buy. I don't have to pay sales tax. I don't have to pay shipping. Here it is. Just dig in this big tub and just yeah. pull out some stacks of tires and whatever else. I love. I love these kind of conventions for that reason. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'll, I'll be leaving in just a little bit. You know, do a little bit more shopping. Glad to finally get to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, so the interesting thing is, is I had somebody come up to me yesterday and go, go, hey man. I really like your podcast, <laughs> and you know, I was I was a little surprised. And then he's like, "I recognized you from your voice," and I was like, "Oh, well, well, you know, that's that's great." And then we were, you know, we, we got talking about you know how it, it can be you know kind of awkward to you know meet a meet a you know personality, and there's there's quotes right. around that because you know like you feel you know them because yeah. you've listened to them for Absolutely. I mean. Skirmish Supremacy has been going for three years now. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with you. You know, I've listened to Countercharge a lot. You know, I and mean, we've interacted more online and all that. You know, it's like, you know, like meeting you, it was, wasn't was like, oh, you know, you know, this this is crazy. You know, it was, you know, it was like, oh, you know, and instantly, you know, we know the things that we have in common. Well, it's funny because you hit it on the head. Like when you talk to people that come up to you, they know you better than you know them in some cases. Now, in our case, we yeah, we interact online. I know Tim used to play a lot right. of games war with us. Just some person in our community that I haven't met yet, uh, unless I've interacted with them on Facebook or something, I, I don't really know their story. Or That's one of the reasons why I like to come to these events, because you get to meet people. And, and, Definitely. Because and, uh, um, and 
it's awesome. I, I love beating people. Yeah, and, and it's been great because there, there are a lot of faith. You know, actually, I was almost surprised by the number of people that are here, uh, not just the Kings of War people, especially in the Atlanta area, but people that come to these conventions on all that, that I know, that are, that are um, you know, players that have played in, you know, other games that I've run, other places, you know, yeah. that, you know, so, so those weird little, you know, encounters with people, you know, you know, it, it kind of brings in that it's a small community, you know, maybe I've met you somewhere totally random. You know, it is, or maybe there's a person that we both know, and there's that that interaction. Exactly. You know I mean, it's it's just, it's just quirky how that is. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Definitely. Have Thank a safe you for drive having home. Me. Yeah. Have a safe drive home. That's gonna do us tonight. Until next time, keep countercharging. Listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15 If you enjoy the show you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 